from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 12 through 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 12 through 24. And our sermon today is entitled, Be Watchful, Stand Firm, and Be Strong. This is the Lord's Word. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers. But it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the servants, service of the saints. Be subject to such as these, and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus, because they have, they, because they have made up for your absence, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such men. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prissa, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let the Lord bless us in the reading of this word. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you once again. It's good to be here at this pulpit after three weeks off. It was kind of strange just sitting there and listening, but the Lord always refreshes, always refreshes me when I hear the Word of God preached. And I got to see what it's like to be on your side. And I do hope and pray that the preaching of the Lord's Word from this pulpit will refresh you that you'll be able to leave this service being able to say, indeed, the Lord is good. Indeed, the Lord is good. Indeed, the Lord is good. Sunday mornings is a practice for us. It's a practice run for when the Lord returns and we will be with him in what he calls the eternal Sabbath, the eternal rest, the eternal presence of God, worshiping him, Day and night, whatever day and night means, since there is no sun, there is no moon, only Jesus to light the way. We'll be singing songs to him, fellowshipping together in perfection. So this Sunday, however imperfect it may be, however imperfect our hearts are, it's a reminder to us of what we long for, for his presence. It's a reminder that this is not our home, but that we worship the God who will bring us home one day. 
is a reminder to us that in this world there will be many trials, tribulations, temptations, sufferings. But that we do not allow this world to dictate who we are ever. But we allow Jesus to dictate who we are and walk in his will according to his word and the wisdom that he bestows upon us through his spirit and through brothers and sisters we have in Christ Jesus. Our rest is here on the Sunday morning. Our rest is longing to hear from this pulpit and from one another those simple words that you're messed up, I'm messed up. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner. But Jesus loves us. It's what refreshes the saints. And it's why we gather on Sundays. It's why we come early and we leave late. We come early because we long for that fellowship and that worship. And we leave late because we are, we're reluctant to leave the haven and the joy of being with imperfect brothers and sisters, but rejoicing in the perfect Father together. It is why we are here. It is why we worship. Here at the end of, the, of Paul's letter to the first Corinthians, Paul ends his letter with words of encouragement, but also words of imperative or commands for us to remember all that he has taught in this book. I was talking with a pastor friend of mine, and I was telling him that I was working through 1 Corinthians, and he said to me, wow, that's a tough book. Why would you choose that letter to, to walk through? You have to deal with a lot of difficult issues in there. And my response to him is the same response I have to you. It's because even though the Corinthian church had dissension, had lack of leadership, sexual immorality, drunkenness, idolatry, that Paul still loved that church. And Paul knew that Jesus had not given up on that church. And that his witness is simple. Preach the truth of the gospel. For he came to know came here knowing nothing except for Jesus and him crucified and to preach it with courage and boldness and to call people not back to morality not back to living a life that looks good on the surface to others but he called people back to Christ and that's the hope that we have as well, the hope that we have in Jesus himself. Paul would go on to encourage you to understand that the people that he has given you here in this room and the people that he has given us even beyond here in the fellowship of, of Christ that we might have in our workplace, the fellowship in Christ we might have with other churches, with people outside of this fellowship. 
that we're always to be thankful for those moments, those relationships, and encouraged to seek them out as well. For the church itself is not simply Christ's covenant, but the church extends beyond these walls, and we as God's people have fellowship with all. And so in this passage, you see Paul just naming names of people who loved the church in Corinth, naming names of people from Corinth who visited Paul to encourage them, naming names of saying, remember one another and encourage people and praise people when they've encouraged you and praise people who are the encouragers amongst you. And in a sort of backdoor way to encourage all of you to be encouragers as well. This last message are simply imperatives. They're simply commands for us as God's people. And so with all the things that we've just heard and said or that I've said about 1 Corinthians, there are these three imperatives plus one that Paul encourages people with. We find them in verse 13. Be watchful, stand firm, be strong. Be watchful, stand firm, and be strong. The prophet Ezekiel was prophesying against the watchmen. Their job or duty was very simple. They were there to watch for the enemy, if the enemy were to come or not to come. If the enemy were to come, they were to sound the alarm to let the, the armies of Israel to be prepared to defend themselves. The watchmen are very important. They, they stand guard through the night. being careful to see if there's any movement from the enemies. And the watchmen had to be trained to not only see the obvious, but that which is not obvious as well. It's easy for anyone to see a, a burgeoning army coming at you and to ring the, the bell. But it's another thing to, to when you hear the rustling in the bush or you hear movements that are just a little bit off, or whether to investigate or not. The Christian life is a life of being watchful, of being vigilant in your own life and in the life of the church. It is easy for all of us to fall prey to our desires and fall prey to what the world demands of us. 
And oftentimes we let the watchman inside of us that is supposed to guard our hearts, guard our purity, guard this church. We let those defenses down. And we allow the world to dictate our actions and our emotions. Sin does not come to us, for, for us as, as, as believers, so much through the front door. But sin comes into our lives through those little cracks and crevices. Satan is not dumb to come at you full force with this, as we like to depict him today, with, with his horns and his pitchfork. But he comes to us through our own desires. And he twists them. And just like Adam and Eve, in Genesis chapter 3, when God said, listen, look at this whole garden. This is all for you. Just don't eat from this, this one tree. And Adam and Eve fell to Satan when Satan came to Eve and said, did God surely say not to eat from the fruit of this tree? And in a second, God's goodness was questioned. That little seed of God's goodness, of God being against them, started to germinate. And they started the question, yes, God really formed me. Satan did not go to, to Adam and say, listen, your God is not for you. I'm for you. Surely that relationship that is difficult in your life, surely it's not your fault. It's their fault. Surely the circumstances that, that dictate your life, you have every right to complain about because, you know, it's, it's not your fault. It's their fault. Surely you have every right to, to feel sorry for yourself because the world has given you a bad hand. Now there's a difference between lamenting about the difficulties and sufferings that you've encountered as opposed to wallowing in self-pity. God wants us to be watchful of all the temptations that come our way. So open your eyes. Examine your heart. When you see Satan approaching, when you see your heart started to, to, to walk away from praising the Lord and towards the Lord and you see your heart turning inward be watchful and name the sin name the temptation that is coming your way and that's what he told the church in Corinth there are false teachers amongst you be watchful be able to recognize them 
there are people who are, who are living an impure life. Be watchful of them. Don't be accepting of sin in your fellowship. Be watchful. But being watchful is not enough, is it? And this is where sort of a lot of us sort of fall into. We as Christians are good at recognizing sin. But we are not good at standing firm and saying no to sin. It is easy for us to say, yes, I'm sinning against the Lord, or yes, I see what I'm doing wrong. But it's difficult for us to stand firm and say, I will not give in to this. I am going to fight it. I am going to stand firm in the faith that God has given us. And this is where Paul really urges the Corinth church because of their fear of not being loved by society, the Corinth society, of not being loved by people in their church, of being judged. But if you can recognize what you are doing wrong, if the watchman is watching, if the watchman sees that sin is coming, but the watchman does nothing about it, that watchman is useless. And so we ourselves, when we see that we are sinning against the Lord, when we see that our church is perhaps going the wrong direction, we do nothing about it, there's no sense of having someone. Paul urges us, stand firm in the faith that God has given you. Resist temptation. Resist. Resist succumbing to the things of this world. I love the way he says this, stand firm in the faith. What does that mean? It means that if you know who Jesus is, that you'll have many, many opportunities to stand firm. It means that this is normative, normal for the Christian life. It's normal to be able to see suffering and sin. And it's normal to have that battle in your head Do I succumb or do I fight? That's normal. It's part of the Christian life. And unfortunately, it's normal for most of us to lose. And let the, open up the gates and (laughs) let the enemy in. And this is why Paul has to say it in in the Bible to stand firm because most of us don't stand firm. So I want to encourage you in the sense that, that what you're going through in terms of when temptation comes and the, the difficulties of, of not saying or doing anything about, that's normal. But God wants you to know that in the Spirit, you can stand firm. And then the analogy of, of warfare continues on. Act like men, be strong. 
we're not saying here that men are strong are better than women. Okay, women, you are as valuable as men, as men, and that's a whole different sermon for a later later time. But but this whole thing about watchfulness, about standing firm, about being strong, we're talking about images of warfare, and we know that in this period of time, it's it's the men who went out to fight battles. And so what Paul is saying to us is like, listen, this is like real battle, a real war. Act like strong men. Act like men without fear. Act like men who have purpose. Act like men who can identify the enemy and then go through the, the routine of figuring out what the enemy is, how do, I, what, how do I neutralize the enemy and then act upon it? Don't be those people who sit and watch the, the battlefield unfold and are paralyzed. Don't be the ones who see the battlefield unfold and just sit there and close your eyes and hope that it goes away. Don't be the person who runs and hides and just hopes that, that one day this will just pass over. Because when you open your eyes, you'll see nothing but destruction around you anyway. But God wants us to be watchful, to stand firm, and be strong like men. To fight those battles and to fight it well. There's several things that, that, uh, that I want to encourage you with about this whole thing. First, have courage to simply do what's right according to the Lord. Have courage. All of us have one or two things that God is speaking to you about right now, I know, because this is the way God works. Have courage to be strong and obey God. Have courage. Say yes to God and no to fear, no to this world. Second thing, give yourself room to grow into this new self that you're becoming when you make that decision. And give each other room to grow as people make these decisions to live for the Lord. What do I mean by that? You've heard of the, the whole term, you can't teach old dog new tricks, right? That's, that's not biblical. Now, yes, we do have certain personalities and character traits that sort of, that's hardwired into us. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that we can't change, that we can't use those characteristics for God's glory instead of using those characteristics to demean God's glory. Yes, know who you are, 
but give yourself room to change to be that person God made you to be. But in the same instance, give each other room to grow into that person as well. If one of you makes a decision and says, you know what, I'm going to be more generous than I ever was before. And if that means all of a sudden, listen, I can't go out and eat with you guys as much as I want to, but I'll sit with you and I'll fellowship with you. Some of you might say, you know what, I'm going to change my speech and the way that I, that I talk with other people. Or you know what, I'm going to love people who I, I've never, who God has called me to love, but before I've been fearful of. What happens? Relationship dynamics change. People change. The friendships that you've built on, that you thought were like inviolable, they start to tweak and change a little bit. But instead of being angry at that, if you see that person wanting to be more like Christ, give them room to change. And give yourself room to change. And rejoice when people change. So first, just do it. Whatever God is calling you to fight against, just do it. Number two, give yourself room to change. Give yourself room to fail. It's okay. Keep moving forward and give each other room. Give this church room to change as well. And thirdly and lastly, we see this in verse 24. Let all that you do be done in love. Let all that you do be done in love. And this is the part of the Christian faith that we see that we need God's grace the most. Is it not? It's easy for us to change because we want a different outcome in our lives. It's easy for us to sort of, in the beginning, get the wheels turning because we want to be a better person. But it's another thing to want to do these things out of love for the other, out of love for God. For his name, for his glory. And so we pray for our hearts. We pray for one another's hearts. We pray that that which you have shown me in my life that I need to change, God. Let me change out of love for you and a love for your name. Praise be to God, though. Because our God, Jesus, is the one who is forever, forever watchful and vigilant over our lives. You can't see everything. You can't see everything that is going on in your heart. You cannot see everything that is bombarding you. You yourself are changing day by day, month by month, year by year. Your sense of who you are and what needs to be changed will 
will, will always turn over. The temptations that you face are just multifaceted. But rejoice in knowing that all of those things, that you are already forgiven in Jesus. That your goal is not perfection, but your goal is simply, Lord, that which you have revealed to me. Lord, show me what I need to do to change for you. The way I see it, it's like, it's like God the Father and Jesus our brother. They sort of sift everything for us. What do I mean by that? They see everything that is coming at you. They, they are ground control. They see everything coming at you. And Jesus has already forgiven you for all of those things. And Jesus has already protected you from all of those things. But in their infinite wisdom, they let something go through. Some kind of hardship, some kind of temptation. They let something go through. And in their infinite wisdom, they know that son and daughter, I let this circumstance come into your life so that you will draw closer to me. Don't be fearful. I've got your back. Don't be fearful because the war is won. There's someone I have you, I have, there's something I have for you to go in battle. Just go out there. Even if you lose that battle, the war is won. But go. Stand firm. And be strong. We have nothing to fear in this life. And even better, we have nothing to fear in the life after. We belong to Him. So yes, perhaps we are the church at Corinth, or maybe we're not. A lot of sin, a lot of wrestling, a lot of strife. But our hope is in Christ. Go battle. Give yourself room to fail. Give yourself room to change. Give each other that same room to change. And thirdly, pray that the love of Christ would compel you to do all such things for his glory. Let's pray.